Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off-the-shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Lab's Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're talking to the co-founder of an organisation with an innovative approach to solving some of the demands in the tech market, skills and talent creation. So let's not delay. Let's get Ahmed into space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge and the solution he and his team have created. So welcome, Ahmed. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Thanks a lot, TC. I'm glad to be here and I'm looking forward to an amazing discussion together, inshallah. Brilliant. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? So my name is Ahmed. I know it's hard to pronounce. So basically, um, like we can try together throughout the conversation. <laughs> sure. um, I'm, my, I'm an engineer by background. I'm a software engineer. I've been working like most of like my life as a software engineer, senior software engineer. And then throughout basically my career, I transitioned into product management and I was passionate about the product management world and what product leaders can bring to the world of tech. And yes. um, in the past four years, I've been basically the co-founder and CEO of Knowledge Officer, which is basically my current company now. And that's where I was spending like not most of my time, like maybe 120% yes. of my time over the past four years. Brilliant. Excellent. And and what's that journey been like? Because I mean, I'm, I used to be an engineer myself. Sometimes I wear an engineer t-shirt to say, you know, just to make, make it a point that I am an engineer because I'm very proud of our kind of profession and the, and the massive difference it makes the world alongside our kind of scientists, kind of fellow uh, colleagues. Um, so what's it been like going from that kind of uh, hardcore on the ground, cold face type engineering to more of a leadership uh, place? I mean, I would say it was very interesting and very amusing journey. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm very sort of like impact driven person. Even when I was an engineer, I wasn't that hardcore engineer who was just like basically writing code and was always basically looking at whether the code works or not. I was always trying to ask the question of like, why, why I'm doing this, why I couldn't do that. And given that most of my career, if not all of it, I've been working in startups. So basically within startups, you are always thinking about the impact. You're always thinking business first and then basically technology and engineering uh, second or even last in some cases. So like, I think every step in my journey have helped me. So like at some points I was focusing on strengthening my hardcore technology skills, understanding different languages, different stacks, uh, even like understanding how engineers work and how they function. And then later on, I started to think about like, how can I relate engineering and technology to basically users and how can I understand their problems and suggest solutions. So mm. thinking more about the feasibility things. And then later on, I start to think, okay, like I need to understand more about product design and like, how can I look at desirability and like, how can we bring these kind of solutions into users' hands? And then more and more, I started to sit on the same tables with the founders, where, which I joined their startups getting more understanding about how they launch products, the business side and how this can be viable and how can I create business on top of it. Uh, so every basically step in my career when I was a machine learning researcher at the beginning, software engineer and developer, a product owner, then a product manager and then now a CEO, I think mm -hmm. it have helped shape who, who, whom I am now. 
Brilliant. I love it. I love that. It's quite a um, very curiosity driven. How is that? And why is that kind of journey yeah. kind of thing? And I, and I yeah. And uh, I think um, it, it kind of comes on to the, the company that you're working for at the moment, you know, the, uh, the, what, the company that uh, you founded, yes. uh, the knowledge officer, because um, I think sometimes, you know, universities aren't giving you the skills uh, or not providing you a detailed enough kind of skill set to kind of go into these areas. You're not kind of prepared. Yes for them um so yeah so let's kind of talk about uh, knowledge officer what is knowledge officer what's the problem that it's solving in the market which i've kind of just touched on right now exactly yes i mean so in a nutshell we define ourselves as a path to employment platform so we help place people in what we refer to as hit careers or high in demand tech careers those careers which are very very hard to penetrate both when it comes to the professionals who are trying to upskill and be ready to basically jump into those careers or the companies who are trying to recruit the best people in those careers we are talking here about product management growth machine learning customer success some people even might not necessarily know what these careers entail or they might have doubts about it or different views on it and that's what we are trying to solve here we are trying to structure the journey as much as possible make it short and make it efficient and measure it by impact when it comes to employment and and placements. And uh, given that I have experienced myself jumping from a career to another, and I even didn't even mention that I started before uni as uh, in in the sales world and I was basically selling uh, physical products. So I've transitioned many times, experienced this transition. It was painful or I was on my own. So I wanted to have a better basically way for people who are trying to switch and trying to continuously grow their career and hopefully exponentially grow. It's very hard for people to exponentially grow, but hopefully with what we do, we are trying to make it a reality. Yeah, I love the idea of making it smoother and nicer transitions, you know, almost like an elegant dance to the place where you want to be, you know, kind of thing. We are trying, sometimes we refer to it as the, the, the Google Maps of learning. So like moving you from point A to point B and trying yeah. to make this journey as short as possible and as much as possible of a straight line. It's never like this. It's very hard to do it like this, maybe at some point in the future. And, and that's the role of technology. We are actually like learning f- from these transition. How can we recommend a better path for the next person going through the journey? So basically with the same analogy of Google Maps, like your path and route suggestions is dynamic. It gets mm-hmm. improving by millions of people who are driving through this road or taking basically a route cycling or like getting um, a walk. So mm-hmm. Google Maps is continuously refining their recommendations and we are trying to do that as well. Brilliant. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, the Google, the Google Maps of uh, career development kind of thing. Um, obviously yes. not Google. Um, hopefully we won't get into any copyright kind of name issues there. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I'm kind of curious as to where where this is. I mean, is, it, is this kind of just in the UK or are you kind of... So uh, in terms of like location, it's, we are a UK business. Um, so basically we are, um, our HQ is in London. Um, our team basically is quite distributed. We started in London and then given that me and my co-founder are both Egyptian by birth and also like spent most of our entire life back in Egypt. So we, we opened an office um, in Alexandria, Egypt, and we have a strong and big team there, which is growing month over month. And we have also a few members in India. Um, in terms of the target geographies, like Currently, the main focus is on the Middle East. And so we have basically learners um, in Egypt, in Saudi, in Jordan, Lebanon. And definitely, given that what we do is is a bit global and we are trying to productize it and make it scalable, we have learners around the world. So we have literally now people who are learning in Germany, in France, in the UK. And everything is online, even before COVID. So that was 
uh, our thesis from the beginning. We want to bring this to um, a scalable format. We believe that online learning should be made better. And because we care a lot about applying technology, like offline was a no-no for us uh, from the beginning. Yes, that's excellent. And um, and what kind of levels of career do you, do you get kind of people to? Is it kind of more at the um, you know, engineering side or is it um, does it go further into the leadership kind of arena? So currently we are focusing um, more on basically helping people get into entry level roles uh, for those careers. Um, the, the vision is in the future, we will grow this into like mid-level and higher level of seniority as well. Even now with the kind of like infrastructure that we have built for the learning path, for every like learning path for a career, we have the beginner, intermediate and advanced levels. The focus now is on the beginner level. So those people who are trying to break into, let's say product management, or they have the title, but they are trying to upskill. Uh, but later on, we are planning to add more levels of seniority um, along the line as well. Yeah, I love it. Excellent. That's great. And, and what are the kind of challenges you've had? Have you had creating this kind of platform? Because uh, I mean, it sounds kind of quite groundbreaking, and you're kind of plowing a new path into this kind of arena. So one challenge um, at the beginning, and this is still something that we are always thinking of, is can how can we add sort of like credibility to the thesis of the learning experience without relying on a lot of human inputs. By mm. that, I don't want to create yet another sort of like MOOC or course where we partner with universities because basically we are trying here to bridge the gap between, between what the students have out of basically uni and what the real market demands is. So understanding in an unbiased way and scalable way the market demand and the job demand because if you think about it again, we are looking to place these people into roles. So the, the main thing that we are trying to solve here is the skills gap. So we started by understanding the market sort of like demands for these roles. We analyzed like millions of job posts and labor market data and taxonomies. And we basically tried as much as possible to navigate through very, very hardcore machine learning problems to structure this text into a little bit of like insights that can tell us at the end what are the skills that I need to have, which we call as job tasks. So what do I need to do or to, to have in order to be a product manager in the UK, which is a bit different than a product manager in Egypt and a product owner in, let's say, Nigeria, because oh, the, oh. the company's expectations and what they refer to in their job post and their needs actually on the ground is a bit different. And their thesis and understanding of what a product manager should do is different. And oh, again, yes. we are trying to match their expectations. Um, and that's a bit hard problem that we are still trying to find the best solution yes. for. Okay, yeah, that, um, we were talking to a tech leader uh, at IT Labs uh, last week and having that common language, you know, um, yes, you know because, you know, if somebody says product owner and you're talking about this thing over here and yeah, my, in my head, I've got this thing over here, having that kind of common understanding and terminology. I mean, even for example, you know, we're talking about, you know, we, this is CTO confessions, even the definition of a CTO is very different for, from who you speak to, you know, and it's just like, oh my God, you know, let's get this right, you know, let's have a, let's have a world standard, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, this is quite interesting. And what I heard, I just want to celebrate what you're kind of doing here because what you find is in certain countries, there's demands and each country has its own signature of demand and need yeah. and gaps to be filled. Um, and you're kind of providing that feedback uh, almost to say, well, actually, this is by looking at what the conversations that are going on in the market. This is where where we need more people, you know, kind of thing. 100 percent. And that's even how we like basically prioritize what are the careers that we want to launch, because we are basically focusing on the high in demand or sort of like careers that are on the rise 
their skills are dynamic and they are hard to fill as well when it comes to roles. So like we start by actually mapping this data out and seeing, okay, like if we, if we want to focus on the Middle East or the GCC area, these are the roles that are high in demand and these are the skills that they need. And these skills are very, very hard to acquire. So that's basically an opportunity for us because there are many opportunities for you to launch basically a career training sort of like platform. You could focus on software engineers, on basically designers. So how can you pair tries? We, we use this data as well to prepare tries the best career to penetrate the market. I love it. I mean, this is good feedback loop to, to, to governments even, um, to the trainers that provide this kind of information and, and you know, and, and the material. So, yeah, this is fascinating. On, on a funny note, okay, I don't know why, but I've just had a funny idea. What's the funniest career path, endpoint that you've come across? You mean like a, a title that people... Yes, very interesting question. I'm not sure, like, it depends on how do you define the word funny, but I mean, like, yeah. one of the interesting aspects is, like, the the number of, like, um, sort of, like, um, permutation or, like, the number of possibilities that would map to the same title. Like, one of the problems that we used to basically um, um, solve at the beginning is, like, clustering of the, of, of the job titles. And yes. it, it's, it's very, very hard because, like, a product specialist is a product oh. manager is sort of like a, um, a product lead is a product leader is like and it, it is very very hard complex yes. and, and because it's a free format there isn't like anything that you choose when you write a job post you can write anything you could write the word product and that's <laughs> something that the machine could understand that this is a product manager and yeah. the, the, the seniority level you could write it in many many different ways and yeah. even with the with the product managers because we are not talking here about like hundreds of millions of roles, it's much easier, let alone basically software engineering, like software mm -hmm. engineer, software developer, Java developer, and like backend developer, and like many, many things like this. Trying to understand from this text what this means and what this relates to is a very, very interesting and hard problem. And it is like a, a technology in itself that the world needs, like regardless yes. of like what, how you are going to use, as you said, like governments need this and there are like data providers that provide such data to governments so that basically they can understand and map out the, the, the employment um, sort of like market in, in, in their geography. Yeah, this honestly is fascinating. I can imagine you as a tech leader and as a founder seeing the, the problem that you want to solve here. And I guess this is quite speaks to many tech leaders out there. Um, that you came up with the initial kind of solve this problem, but then a proliferation of problems within the problem that you're trying to solve kind of emerge, you know, oh, I thought this was yes. going to be easy or I thought yes. it was going to be easier than this, you know? Um, and, and yeah. And how do you kind of handle that as a leader uh, to kind of, as the, as the problems proliferate, because you're kind of breaking new ground. So I guess like my role as like a CEO and, and a co-founder um, for the company has definitely changed dramatically throughout the years. So like at the beginning, I was really, really hands-on. I even remember writing some code and I was talking to, with engineers about like the infrastructure layer and like talking about the database structure and, and getting uh, my hands dirty into like um, um, uh, filtering out some uh, data sources and I was mainly talking to engineers day in and day out and focusing more on the MVP and the product building. And then at, at different points, I was focusing more on the messaging and defining the value proposition in a clear way so that everyone would understand what we are doing. And I was talking more to product marketeers or the 
UX designer and more on the front end side, talking to users every day and every and every night. And at different at different stages later, I was more on the sales front. So I was selling this product and trying to see the reaction, whether selling it to potential users or selling it to like potential companies. And I think for every product that we launched, I have always sort of like played the, the different roles. So I was always at the very, very early beginning of like defining the product, sitting with the engineers and the product builders, regardless mm. their title, and then basically working with the marketeers on like launching it and then working with the sales team on actually selling it and getting the feedback loops to every team. Um, now, maybe my role also has an element of defining a process for the company and like caring more about like how we can recruit better, how can we standardize basically um, how we do the work that we do and care about the quality. But one thing that has never changed throughout um, the years is keeping direct contact with the users. Till now, every week, I have emails directly from the users. I have calls with them. I might have had maybe in the four years over a thousand conversations with users, Excellent. like with notes written. This is one thing that I really want to keep because that's actually a very, very important feedback loop that because we are all about these users and we are all about the impact that we create on them. So if we distance ourselves from their needs or their feedback, yeah, we would lose 100%. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And I, I kind of imagine the triangle of an organization here and as, as a company get, goes from a startup, you know, it's very, everybody's kind of been, everybody's kind of bits of work, very cross-functional, uh, yes. what have you. But as, as the company gets bigger, there's an abstraction and you get further away from the customer. What I love what you say here, and I guess this is a, a real kind of celebration of a, of a company that really wants to solve a problem out there is by having that connection direct to the customer still. You know, you know you've, you're abstracted away, but you're not disconnected from them. Brilliant. Love it. Um, and, and so actually coming on to um, uh, your, you as a, as a leader uh, and, and in this kind of thing, what's the, what's the passion? What really drives you and gets you out of bed in the morning? I think like mainly two things, like, um, or maybe like a couple of things, not two, maybe three now <laughs> thinking about it with you. Like one thing and the, the first thing, and it's always going to be the first is basically the impact. Like, the amount and the depth and the, the, the change that you make to people's lives, like having this conversation with a graduate that has been placed in his in the job of his or her dream uh, that they have been thinking about for years and couldn't make. And uh, now with the help of what we do, they were be able to get a better job, which translates to better salary, translates to better basically future life for them, even with, with their families. So it is very, very like impactful change that would last almost forever. Like, and that's why we, like when we thought about like what we do from the beginning and like, because learning can be for like many, many purposes. But for us, like the goal that we have chosen is a career oriented learning where we focus on a career change because we believe that this is one of the most material impact that we can translate to the world. And also it has a long and lifelong lasting change on people. So mm -hmm. impact is number one. Two is actually the people that I work with. So like the first values within the culture value of knowledge officer is that we value people. And the first like class of people is actually our employees. So I, like one of the things that I'm passionate about is like basically working with these people like that mm. are like amazing at what they do, that they have the passion, that they share the values and we align on what we want to reach. And the third element, and this is more of like a personal thing is like being challenged like not hitting the limits, like understanding that there is a challenge. I, I kind of like grew into like enjoying these challenges nowadays. Like I would love to see the new challenge. It's like not, even if it's huge, like let's say, even if it's like tomorrow 
I need to find a way that would bring us $1 million in a month. Okay, good, nice challenge. Let's see how can we hack it. Like, see how can we solve it? Let's see how can we change it? Like, how can we tweak it and find a way to bring it in, 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 in that short period of time? Like, and given that what we do is hard, both from the technology side, both from the product side, both from even the positioning and the price sensitivity of our learners. And like many aspects, learning is very complex thing in itself. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and knowing these elements is, is driving me like passionate every day because I know that this is something bigger than who I am now. And Brilliant. I need to continue to grow to be able to sustain um, this, uh, this problem. Excellent. You remind me of a, a previous CTO um, whose podcast is yet to come out yet. And he talked about big, hairy, audacious goals, you know, um, yes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's kind of a funny a term, but it, I, you know, I love people that come up with that because, you know, if you shoot, if you shoot for the, uh, the stars, you, you, you know, you're probably going to hit the moon, you know, kind of thing. And, and that's what I'm hearing here, you know? Uh, so I can just imagine you seeing this kind of big, big massive kind of challenge and he's kind of thinking hey you know uh, your lot your face lights up um and you know coming now onto your kind of leadership how do you roll as a leader what's what's your style of leadership to get the best for your organization like a few things that i always live by as as a leader is first thing i i i thrive by empowering people so basically i would love for these people to take the action themselves make do better at what they do and basically make uh, the right decisions without necessarily being blocked by my input i rarely baby basically tell people do x or do y but what i i believe my role as a leader is to ask the right questions and that's basically my leadership style is to point people to think about the areas which they might have missed till they figure out the solution themselves or they figure out that this is not even a problem or know how to prioritize the right way so this is one thing that I usually do day in and day out because I believe that these, my team should be basically be able to autonomously drive and I should orchestrate basically the, the play, but not necessarily like play the different roles and be able to do it because I'm, I'm one person at the end and I have only 24, 24 hours yeah. and it is basically a, a team sport. It's not like an individual game. So it is essential that I basically continue to grow a team that are, that are better at what they do more than me. As a leader, I need to have a very wide sort of like T-shaped structure, but they need to have like a deeper sort of like edge in everything they do. So I know like on a wide aspects, like what I miss and I know how to basically orchestrate the play, but they are better at playing each role themselves. Yeah. And where did you learn this? Because I'm kind of curious because you, you've, um, you've kind of, jumped into startups and kind of learned um when when did the penny drop is it still dropping yeah where is it is it still evolving this kind of learning i mean i think one thing for sure i was lucky to meet like good people at the early stages of my life and my professional life so i had like good number of mentors and i learned actually the value of, of mentorship and and learning from people uh, another point is like I'm always learning, like I, I, I never stop learning and I enjoy the learning like exercise itself. Like I enjoy reading a new article, reading a book, listening to people. And by time like I grew maybe like a good talent of being able to, I call it like absorbing the knowledge in the room. Like when I enter a room and this room is full of smart people, like I enjoy it because okay. I know that I can absorb this knowledge and I can learn from their skill in a way that maybe not everyone would be able to do. So I would, I was, I would come out of this room 
maybe like at least 5x better than when I entered. So yeah. by time I grew the skill. That's why I love to meet smart people, good people who are better than me every day. And I would learn from them and I would know how to basically become more and more better yeah. um, by time. Yeah. And, and quoting uh, uh, a previous, again, tech leader uh, about this is, is that we are the sum of the five people that surround us, you know, kind of thing. And yes. I guess it's not always the same five, but but it does yes. it. You become them and they become you in some respects. So, so I, I love this. I need, I need to meet this tech leader at some point. So maybe you can. <laughs> yeah, honestly, he's a fascinating <laughs> guy. Um, and the really interesting thing about uh, this particular tech leader was, is that I was learning constantly. This is what I love about these kind of conversations. And this is the hope of CTO Confessions is that by sharing this, we, we kind of... In, we get insights and we get directions and also motivated and inspired to kind of do stuff and on the mentorship stuff because this is really important and i'm fascinated that when people don't have mentors you know i seek them actively i've always seek them um what was the thing that caused you to find these people was he kind of taught to have mentors so the first thing is like my belief that the highest level of competency is knowing what you don't know and at some point in your career, you get to really reach this level and you know that you, there is a lot of unknowns that you need to know. And you know the risk of not trying to basically go this route and trying to ignore that these are unknowns and you should just blindly walk down the aisle. So like knowing this early on help you basically prioritize the exercise of like finding good mentors who can point out these sort of like yes. um, um, hidden, hidden, hidden points in your route. And um, I guess like when you meet them and you get to experience the, the, the kind of relationship between someone who is better than, than you in some area, you get to see, oh, oh my God, this is achievable and this is, this is great. Why would I don't, don't do it like again and again and again and again? I, I keep doing it as part of my journey anyways. And it's part of the joy. You get to like enjoy actually talking to these people and learning from them. And I believe that rarely do um, like a startup founder or I'm not sure if, if it could even exist. Larry, do a startup founder succeed without a mentor? I guess Bill Gates still this this moment has basically mentors. And mm. I'm sure Elon Musk, I'm not sure about Elon Musk, maybe he's the exception, <laughs> but maybe Elon Musk yeah. has a mentor as well that he hide him or her somewhere. <laughs> In um, the box. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess that's that's something that everyone should prioritize. And it takes time. That's why I think I always tell people like this thing. If you think about building a startup in a few years' time, like build your network of mentors yesterday because it will take time for you to build it and that's why i i invested in this early on because i kind of planned for this transition to happen in my life to some extent you you you, you rarely like figure it out like 100 but i know at, from the beginning of my professional life that at some point i want to start a startup so i was like aiming for okay i want to be proficient engineer who understand technology this is not enough. I need to understand a little bit about users. No, this is not enough. I need to understand a little bit better about building products. Not enough. I need to understand more about businesses and how they work and function because this is a com comprehensive holistic story. And every step I, I found and like good mentors who, who helped Brilliant. me throughout the way. And just to kind of circle back to that initial wisdom that you shared, because I thought I was fantastic. If I was in the room with you, I'd have high-fived you because I think that is a beautiful beautiful uh, point to make there especially for aspiring leaders uh, that are hopefully listening to this and um, so repeat that wisdom again yeah the highest level of competency is knowing what you don't know and um, high five i'm high five in here yes <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> i love that love that so 
segueing now on from your leadership to you know your teams and the people that work for you these kind of fantastic boys and girls that are kind of creating uh, the, the delivering value for your organization to deliver value to your end customer how do you kind of go about that uh, to kind of create the best communication the best alignment to the vision so the first thing i guess that rings uh, the bell here is i actively listen and there's a huge difference between listening and actively listening and some people don't listen at all so some people don't even listen to their teams but there is a huge difference between listening and actively listening and also the beauty about actively listening is and if you take it really to the to the to the end is you 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 learn how to build on top of what they are saying something better than your original view and their original view and you can also always refer back to basically the source of these ideas because this helps the team even stay motivated. It's not like you have taken their start of the thread and then you have built something and then you, you don't even refer to uh, their part of, of the game. So you always basically bring back uh, this success to the team as well. Um, this is a, again like a team sport. So even we, we refer to our team as a team of co-founders. Like everyone in the team is a co-founder of Knowledge Officer. They, mm -hmm. they share basically the pain, uh, they share the stress, uh, they, they are all also close to the users as much as possible. Um, we share common values. I guess even one thing that we always assess is the culture fit. And that's as important to us as basically the tech fit or the how proficient they are in terms of what they do as a marketeer or, or yeah. UX. And if you stay humble, like you know that basically you make mistakes and you admit these mistakes and you learn from it and then you move on. And as soon as, as long as you reflect on these things and as soon as again you are honest with these people, like, and they know, and they see this honesty, they know that you are also like a human being and uh, you are, you admit these things, things become much easier. You are not a hero. You are not basically a uh, Heracles as, as a CEO or a founder. <laughs> yeah. You have your own basically uh, weakness points. And this is the other side of the story. Not everything is glorious, passionate, like vibrant. You yeah. have your bad moments as well. You have your weakness moments. You have things that also stop you from, from sleeping, but not of a success of actually a failure. So yes. it's good to be open about these things with people. I love that. That's a real celebration of authenticity. And I'm glad more tech leaders like yourself and co-founders and CEOs are talking about this kind of stuff because it allows people to, it kind of drops the fear. It kind of creates a nice space, yes. you know? Um, yes. and, and I love I love great leaders that have humility um, and um, and don't try and paint too much of a fantastic picture because we're all human at the end of the day. We all make a mistake, yes. you know? Um, and, and one of the things that uh, I'm always interested in, especially in this current period, uh, is this kind of transition to remote teams. And COVID has been a kind of real driver for that. Um, has remote working always been a thing for you? or I m might have experienced it like multiple times in my career before starting um, like um, a knowledge officer. So, so um, uh, like... Uh, when I was back in Egypt, I used to work with companies that used to have basically um, teams in, in the US and um, in, in the Middle East. So I experienced that a little bit. But also like when, when, when I moved to the UK, I used to work for a fintech company and all my engineers, I was a product owner at this point, all my engineers were basically in, in Portugal. So I experienced that and one of the, 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 the moments which I, I, I wouldn't even um, um, uh, forget about uh, for once is the first day when this, uh, this team came to visit the office in London, 
like when we were shaking hands and actually like almost we, we were hugging each other. This was oh, like pre-COVID. Yeah. So this was uh, like safe and, and secure. <laughs> um, it didn't look like basically we were, it was the first time to meet physically at all. Like I, I, I because we, we, we set up some ground rules for the communication. Like one, I'm always available. So given that you are talking to me on Slack, doesn't mean that I can shy away from responding to you because I just want to ignore the message. It is as if you are talking to me face to face. So you are always try as much as possible to be available, uh, to be responsive. This is one thing. Try as much as possible in 90% of the cases to be on video and during the meetings. This is one thing which I'm not sure why a lot of people are ignoring it. It's so easy, but it is magnificent, magnificently efficient. Mm. Like it, it adds a lot of like um, authenticity to the conversation. You see people's emotions. You can basically shy away from from things, or you can't um, get distracted from the conversation that easily, and it creates this kind of connection between you and the person who are talking to you. So again, like some tips like this help me a little bit with the transition. And mm. during the transition with knowledge officer, given that we have the the UK sort of like Egyptian Indian team, so it became part of the process. And I guess every now every every team member now have his own sort of like. Um, belief in in some points like i remember a funny story um about a guy who, who joined the, our team in egypt um, he used to have more of the offline sort of like experience in his career so when he used to request um uh, or want to ask a member of the team a question he used to just ring them on the phone but because the team was used to the idea of like booking people on the calendar and that was sort of like become our style mm. they were they were they didn't, they didn't feel that this is the norm and they started to basically point him towards the right direction. So the team was actually enforcing a culture that, and you couldn't, you, you, you are not doing anything. And that's, that's the best because yeah. everyone is, is playing his part and the things are self basically uh, driving in some sense. I love that. So what, one of the challenges I imagine for, for organizations like this, I mean, if you're in the room, it's a little bit easier, I imagine. It's, I think it's still hard, but mm. making sure that people are aligned to the vision you know, where are we heading? Because there's lots of ideas, there's lots of rabbit holes and lots of yes. you know, side paths. How do you, what's your kind of tips or tech leaders out there that what's worked for you? I mean, I believe one of the basic tips and is basically to over-communicate. There is no harm of over-communicating than basically doing the other, the other way. Um, and also like by time, like when you have like five people, whether remotely or, or in the room, it's easy to basically either over communicate or not, but they would be somehow sort of like aligned. But at some point when you transition from like five, 10 to potential 20 plus, there are many, many side conversations that you are not involved in. So, and these people can basically either drift completely out of the division and the common goal or stay on track. And your role is to create shared sort of like um, documentation and processes and that's, what I was referred to earlier, like making sure that everyone is following sort of like our playbook. And mm -hmm. at some point you need to document this playbook. It can be in your head or in their basically head uh, forever. Now, even we are documenting what we call as the people book, where we document the job description and the responsibilities of each team member. And what's also the accountability of each team member, what defines success for a learning specialist at Knowledge Officer, what defines success for a growth marketer at Knowledge Officer. Like this shared sort of like language and having a standardization for it and having a, a, a single source of truth is important as you grow your team. It is less important and more scrappy at the beginning, 
but you need to understand where to make the switch. It, mm. You will always do it late to some extent. I, I did it late and I admit the mistakes. You will always do it late, but doing it late by a few months is way better than doing it late by a few years. Yes. So they yeah. can completely drift you away from, from the route. Fantastic. I love that. And augmenting teams, because obviously uh, there's a great, great demand. And this is a common topic with, with tech leaders is, you know, how do you make up your teams? Are they all in-house or do you kind of augment your teams with insourcing and outsourcing? We, we did outsourcing at the beginning and it works us like um, nice for us. I mean, especially for specific roles that we, we didn't need full time or that, that require a little bit of a senior expertise where we can basically afford it. So like uh, the product design work or the UX work at the beginning, um, some machine learning work before we started building the in-house team because we got also a grant from the government in the UK. So we had actually to build the team and it was a good opportunity to use the grant actually to hire and uh, form a strong team. But at the beginning, it was hard for us to afford the senior machine learning engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout basically the, the past maybe like two years or so, we started to shift away into like building a, our in-house team because culture, vision, and all these kind of things became as important as the, the technical expertise of the person. Um, so it was important to bring everything in-house and we we grew sort of like our own thesis and DNA of the, the person who would thrive and succeed within the company. And it is a little bit hard. We still have some outsourcing every now and then, but it's usually like short term, like someone consulting with us for a few months on a specific niche problem that we are solving, uh, but not not a long, uh, lifelong sort of like a long-term uh, consultant or or an outsource uh, agent. Yeah, excellent. That's good. And does does in the long run help save you money? Um, I mean, is it is it a thing that you have to kind of put up with having to do that, or is it does it save you money in the long run? You mean having an in-house team? Uh, yes. Uh, not to say. I mean, most people look at it from like a financial point of view. It definitely has a financial side, especially that it is one of the um, the typical sort of like both stereotyping and also the right knowledge that agencies and uh, sort of like contractors are always like charging expensive sort of like rates. It is definitely one element of the equation, but it's not the only one because like a lot of people are bringing in-house team and they are paying them a lot because they basically can afford them because they are looking for the best people in every in every role because that's actually their culture or whatever reason it is. So I don't look at it from financial point of view. Actually, if you look at it this way, sometimes it's even more cheaper to basically outsource than to hire because of the other sort of like overheads that you need to um, incur and also the security that you need to give the team member for a longer term than, than a contractor. So for me, this is one factor, but it's not the main factor at all. Yeah, that's great. And coming back now to your organization as a whole, right? So I can imagine it's like expanding, right? It's kind of growing. And 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 I don't know if you remember it as you were growing up. I remember it, growing pains. I know the doctors say they don't exist. They do exist. Sorry, doctors. Um, so what, what are the kind of typical growing pains of your organization? And what would you, looking back, put as foundations ready for growth into the organization? I mean, in terms of growing pains, uh, one element for sure is like um, the people side of growing the business. Like um, this kind of people leadership role is is essential um, throughout the, the life cycle of a company. At the beginning, you play it as a founder, but by time it grows bigger than what you can do um, beside basically doing the product or the business or the engineering, whether you are the CTO or CEO or CEO or whatever it is. 
So like making sure that you take care of your people as the company is growing is one thing because the culture is a project in itself. It's, it's, it's a product yeah. in itself. So it needs someone to continue to nurture it and, and grow it and, and maintain it. So that's one, one sort of like pain for sure. Another pain is like um, hiring and recruitment, making sure that you sustain the level of quality and the level of culture fit that you care about. And also like making sure that you do this kind of um, documentation and, and process work because this looks boring and it is to some extent boring, by the way, like to spend like a few weeks of like, or not necessarily a few weeks, but like, uh, uh, like a few days just writing things in a document so that everyone is, has the shared understanding of what it means to refer to a product or what it means to refer to this kind of name when you are talking about a specific um, event. It is kind of boring compared to like talking with engineers about the new feature or like selling this to a user mm. uh, or a company but it is essential as a as a as a founder you need to be disciplined and with discipline you need to accept that not everything that you do you need to enjoy but you need to know that <laughs> this is vital and yes. it is on you to do it whether it is accounting um, reconciliation of invoices yes. or whatever it, it is on you you have to do it there is no escape and uh, yeah. that's why basically it's not for everyone and it's not always glamorous joyful like going to events and taking prizes no it's not like this every day <laughs> oh damn i had a totally different image in my head you know but yeah you're right i mean it reminds me of uh, doing the vat return you know it's it's, it's like trying to pull teeth you know uh, it's it's got to be done and and yeah um, but there's always that good feeling when you actually do it um so as we come towards the end of our kind of time together the kind of closing arc i've got some really nice questions to kind of uh, finish on what advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders out there um based on what you said always learn always expand yourself always look for always be ambitious about exponentially grow as much as your companies are growing and this would push you to basically always take the extra mile and uh, talk to to smarter people etc um be humble yeah, and be authentic always be comfortable looking at the mirror and seeing the yes. same person that you are talking about and the same person that everyone basically uh, can describe you um, with. Um, lastly, basically challenge yourself, like look for um, things that you can do today and uh, look for things that would create impact and um, think about impact more than more than challenges. One of the, the blockers for an engineer, and uh, that's something I always like try to coach people for, is not to look for necessarily the easiest solution it's look for the most impactful solutions. Because sometimes as an engineer, we are wired to think problems. Like, can you can you do this? No, what if the user would do that? I wouldn't I wouldn't implement this feature. Or like, can you mm. do this? No, because like, it's very hard to scale this kind of database or technology. But if you think about it from like the impact it would create or the possibilities or the opportunities it would unveil, your mind would shift into finding a solution. There is, a, there is always a solution. It's very, very easy to list problems, but it is a little bit challenging to find different solutions to solve these problems. So that's a kind of a mindset shift that, that's why I believe like every engineer need to be product minded in some sense. Like yes. it's not enough to just write code and think of like how Ruby works or like how to build the, the, the next sort of like um, 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 a quality code. No, you need to think about like how this actually tran translates to a product and to a solution and to an impact within the user that uses it. Brilliant. Uh, I was going to give you another high five then, virtual high five, because being, <laughs> custo being customer centric it is, is absolutely what you're there for. That's what the organization is there for. So it's always kind of going back to that and teaching everybody that that is what they're there for. Um, so 
I love reading books. I used to, in my old office, I used to have books everywhere, but uh, I'm, I'm somewhere else now. So um, what, what books would you, or material or films or a course would you recommend uh, to help people along in their kind of leadership journey or their tech leadership journey? Um, I mean, there are, there are multiple ones which I've read that, I mean, I'm, I'm into books, but books is not like the, the, like where I learn the most. I learn a lot from, um, like short articles. Like I follow a lot of good blogs that I've built throughout the way, like first round, like mind the product, like a couple of of those uh, blogs where I find authentic, um, um, relevant and sort of like consistent quality. Like first round is among the best, definitely some authors like Andrew Shin and, and some investors like Reed Huffman and, and some others like Adam Grant and, and, and other people whom I would love to hear their wisdom and, uh, and, and listen to their insights, whether in a short, long or medium format. But within the book, like I think on the business side, there is a book which I highly recommend for CEOs and business leaders called Predictable Revenue, which is a great book on actually how can you scale revenue, how can you link build the sales side of your organization. Um, there is a, a very good book in terms of like organization structure or like how to build the organization. It was, um, I think, how great companies work. I can't remember the, the actual name now in my head. Um, so yeah, but like I, I, I don't have like a very specific reference to point out to now. Maybe I can share some, some links uh, to UTC as well and you can add it to the, to the script. But uh, those are a few in my head, in my head now. Excellent. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. So this is a part of the podcast I love. Um, and um, I'm going to offer you a wish. Uh, I'm the tech genie and I'm going to offer you a wish for your leadership or the technology that you're involved in. What, what would you wish for? I wish basically that we help place million people into tech jobs and we can grow this sustainably every year. Brilliant. I love it. I'll see what I can do on that front. Let's see if I can deliver yes, that for please. you. Yes, please. That would be great. <laughs> Excellent. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll do it Yeah, I'll do it for yesterday. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and as we come to the full stop of the podcast, what's the key takeaway that you'd like to leave the men and women tech leaders or leaders, co-founders out there? What's your bit of advice? I mean, I think I, I don't want to, to, to repeat myself too much here, but I guess like, like always learn and stay humble in, in short. Like, I think that's, um, that's something I live by. And I, it, it's, it's good to um, always remember that uh, we are all learning here. And as we mentioned before, the highest level of competency is knowing what you don't know. So when you, when you, when you get to this sort of like understanding, you know, that every day you spend is a learning, every failure is a learning and we need to fail a lot till we succeed. And after we succeed, we will fail again. And that's, that's life. There isn't like a, an eternity when it comes to success or failure. You have to um, sort of like um, try both and uh, continue to evolve yourself. Also, your career is a is a product in itself that you need to continue to invest in. Um, the founder uh, itself, as a, as a as a title, is a career. You need to grow yourself and you need to invest in yourself and you need to do this in a in a lifelong repeated cycle. It it never ends. No one of us is expert in everything, and we need to. I believe in this and continue to invest in, in our um, knowledge and skills. Brilliant. A great note to finish on, Ahmed. Thank you for your time. It's been great having you on board. I've loved our conversation. Thank you, really, TC. Thanks for inviting me and really enjoyed the, the podcast and looking forward to also hearing um, what you have to, to share with all the guests of the future as well. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't that great? 
I can imagine there are countless leaders and techies on their career paths thinking, I want that tool. Knowledge Officer is really onto something here. As mentioned, it's like a Google Maps for skills, talent and career development, but with metrics and strong feedback loops. As for individuals using the platform, it's not just about developing knowledge, but bringing it to life, mapping it, measuring it, making a great impact on people's lives and also that of the businesses that they're working in. I also see tools like this as a real enabler for nations to draw out the lay of the land on what skills and talents are needed rather than leaving it to chance and market forces with huge lagging indicators. So what were your key takeaways? These were mine. My first key takeaway was the corker statement, the highest level of competency is knowing what you don't know. Chew on that wisdom for a while. That hit me and it landed deep. My second key takeaway is about staying humble. We are all learning and so are others. And through that, be kind. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others. We are all learning. Learn together. And my third key takeaway is about skills gaps. Solving the skills gap. It's not just about learning. You need to bring that learning to life. So thank you for your time and sharing your journey of learning and development and a glimpse of how you're going to continue walking that journey. I look forward to seeing your platform making a difference and closing the multitude of skills gaps using your technology for the well-being of the people wanting to skill up and for the companies that so badly need those skills. So thank you, Ahmed. Thank you for your time. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.